Hey, this is DJ, and you're listening to the Traveling on Purpose podcast. I'm a travel hacker and personal finance coach, and I'm here to teach you how to travel for free or for a fraction of the cost. In this podcast, I'll share my tips and tricks on how to earn points and miles, get free flights and hotels, and save money on your next trip. I'll also interview other travel hackers and experts to learn more about the latest trends and strategies. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned traveler, I hope you'll find this podcast helpful and informative. So sit back, relax, and get ready for takeoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Traveling on Purpose. We have a wonderful guest here today, and I'm making this a habit here on the podcast where I don't introduce people. I am not best at like summarizing things. So I want to turn it over to our guest to introduce herself. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you got into travel hacking? Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'm Amna Bakali. Thank you again, DJ, for having me here. Really appreciate this opportunity. Travel hacking, it's interesting. I actually got in this space about six years ago, I want to say. My husband started traveling for work. And, you know, we had two young kids at that time. And he would travel. And slowly, you know, we would see these points add up, you know, one trip, two trip, he would travel a couple times the year, we're like, okay, cool, you know, this can save us on flights for a family of four, you know, we're trying to hit up the parks and take the kids and obviously they're getting older, go on more vacations. And next thing you know, I find myself in this rabbit hole, looking up rewards programs. And I'm like, there has to be a way where we can do this without needing him to travel, right? Needing him to spend time away from the family. Obviously, this was for work. But I was like, you know, there's got to be a way we can do this. And you know, here we are six years later, we're now a family of five. And we've traveled more than ever before, thanks to points and miles. My background is actually in the nonprofit space. I have a recent master's in nonprofit leadership. And so I'm really passionate about that intersection of travel, purpose, social impact, and just being able to, you know, help organizations do good better. Oh, that is amazing. You said you have a degree in what was it nonprofit? Um, so my master's is in uh, nonprofit leadership. I actually my background is like more in the traditional nonprofit space. So I've done just over the last decade or so, I want to say prior to COVID, I just helped organizations here, local organizations in different capacities, marketing, event planning, just you name it, just kind of had my hands in different things. When COVID hit, I was actually doing my master's at that time. And we had been traveling and travel hacking for some time, but officially came on this in the social media space, like in the fall of 2021. And next thing you know, one thing led to another. And here I am with this travel small business and this brand. And that's actually what I'm doing full time right now. Okay, gotcha. The reason I brought up the nonprofit thing is because I currently work part time at a wonderful nonprofit is called Street Code Academy. They're nice. fantastic. Check them out. Nice. Yes. I love and you know, just hearing from other individuals too, if you can combine those two passions, and there's so many opportunities out there, right? Yeah. Travel and social impact. Those are like my two passions. So I love just hearing all sorts of opportunities to be able to just combine that on the regular. Yeah. It's so funny because working for a nonprofit actually inspired me to start my own nonprofit, but it, they're completely different. I am a financial coach. I guess no one really taught me about credit and all that stuff. And yeah. then so once I learned about it, I was like, oh, I have to teach people about that. Sure. It's like having a superpower. So I went ahead and started my own little nonprofit because I was doing all these free coaching Great. sessions. And I was Congrats. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. So do we need more people doing good in the world? So I had to double click on that. I always like to go back a little bit because that's very telling. I think that you went ahead and, and you kind of focused on the area of nonprofit. There's special people who go into nonprofit. You kind of have to not care as much about like, oh, we're going to have a billion dollar company and all this. What is it about you and the way you care about the world? And when did you notice this about yourself, like that you really wanted to do some good? You know, that's interesting you asked that. I want to say very early on, I grew up in a family where my parents were very active in the local Dallas Fort Worth community. Um, in the local nonprofit sector, my dad had his hands in many different organizations. So growing up, we would be going along to these fundraisers, not knowing any better, right? Middle school, high school, you know, parents are going, we're going with them. And slowly as we started getting older, I would start getting, my sister and I would start getting a better understanding of the different causes that he ha had his hands in. And slowly as we got older in our teens and in college, just really just kind of also learning to just give back. So very early on, I just credit that to my parents. You know, they just raised us in a way where yes, 
we may have enough and we may not know how to do everything, but what can we do to just do our small part to, you know, make the world a better place. And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but, you know, being immigrant parents, having to moving here when they were young and in grad school and just trying to also just do better for their kids and then also teach them to give back at the same time. I just can't even imagine. So you don't realize that then you realize that obviously now as a 30 something year old adult, right? Yes. And what was your undergrad in? My undergrad was in political science. So I actually, right out of college, I worked in finance for about three or four years. Mm -hmm. And then I took a step back from the professional workforce, just raised my two kids. We have three now, but the older two are younger at that time. And then while I was home with them and just worked on different contract projects, nonprofit projects, different things that would just come along and just kind of of work with our family lifestyle, Mm -hmm. just to kind of, you know, keep my foot in the door that way too, because that was always my passion. And then as they started getting older, started kind of taking them along with us too. Okay. I always love these like little moments where it's easy to kind of pass over them, but no, no, no. You said you worked in finance for three years and then you took a step back. Okay. We have to go back to that moment. This is very (laughs) interesting to me because, all right, everybody knows you go work in finance. You're going to make a lot of money if you stick with it. And you know, if you can tough it out, your career is going to be made. Talk to me about this decision. Yes. This was honestly, this was just, you know, this was an opportunity that came up. I was graduating. I actually got married around the same time too. So it was just a lot going on at that time. It was literally my first job out of college. So I was there for a good couple of years. I was on the brokerage side of an insurance company. It was just obviously eye-opening. You're young, you're 20-something. You don't know how corporate America works. You're just kind of like, what am I doing? Why am I here? But looking back, I have to say it was a good learning experience. So, okay. and I don't know about making a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's like, you're just young and just fresh and you're just trying to figure your way out in the world. Right. Yes. So. But at three years in, you decide to leave this career path that you're on. You said you had two kids at that point. Yeah. And now three, but yes, by my late twenties, we had two young kids. So really just wanted to take a step back, spend time with the family. That is beautiful. Can you talk to me about the decision-making process around that, the conversations you had to have with yourself, with your husband? Because I think this is something that is really tough with a lot of women have to deal with, deciding between family, career, how to balance those two or not balance those two. Can you talk to me about that process? You know, and I think there's like a big, obviously, finance aspect there too. I do want to acknowledge that it's a privilege and I do not take that lightly, but just the conversations at that time were just, we will always have the opportunity. We will always have the time. It will not be easy, but there's always certain things that you can always go back to, but obviously they will only be young ones. And there's two young ones. It's obviously sometimes the decision kind of makes for itself, right? And, you know, my husband was also starting out in his career and it just felt like the right decision for us at that time. And we've always been supportive of each other's passions or careers or projects or whatnot. And so, like I said, even with them being home, whenever he was wasn't traveling or whenever he'd be home, I would still have the opportunity to go out and like, let's do some volunteer work. Or now the kids are getting older, they can also see this. Still stay involved in the community where you also are being able to focus on your individual interests and projects and whatnot. It was not an easy decision, but it was the best decision for our family at that time. I'm going to ask you a really silly question. Do you have any regrets about making that decision? Do you kind of wish you would have stayed? You know, honestly, I don't think I have regrets. I think the regret is more, you know, when you look back on your 20s, now as a 30 something year old, you're like, oh my God, I'm so busy, right? Like I just need one more hour in the day or I need two more hours in the day. So it's not regret in the sense like, why did I leave the professional workforce? It's more kind of like, I thought I was busy back then, but I'm busier now. I had more time then, but I just didn't realize it. So it's regret in that sense where you're just kind of like, now you really know time management, you know, your boundaries, you know what you're going to say yes to, you know what you're going to say no to stuff that obviously we don't always know in our twenties, right? But you want to go back and you want to just like knock some sense into your 20 year old (laughs) self and say, yes, maybe rightfully so I was busy, but no, maybe I wasn't, you know? So some of the best time managers I have ever met in my life are mothers. I am not kidding. I work with some mothers and I just, I'm like, how in the world do they fit it all in? And yeah, there's just like this skill you develop and I am the worst at time management. I have ADHD and I look at you all like superheroes. How 
in the world. So I guess it's, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, Some exactly. variation on that. Some variation. <laughs> okay. So you said you kind of got into travel hacking because your husband was working and he's racking up these points. You're able to go on these trips. You said to yourself at some point, there's got to be a way for us to earn these points without him going on all these trips. First of all, that is not something that everybody really understands. Like they do right. think you need to be traveling all the time to earn these points. Do you remember how that thought kind of snuck into your brain? Was there something you saw, something you read? Like, you know, like just to take a step back too. So as our older two were getting older, obviously there's also that question of, well, that's great. There is one person at home spending time with them, but he also felt like he was missing out, right? Oh, Again, mm -hmm. Because this was obviously way prior to COVID and you're commuting to work and he has a long commute. And when the opportunity to maybe jump into consulting with obviously a side of traveling, but work remotely came up, it's always a cash 22, right? You're never going to have that perfect balance. But now looking back, we have a little one again, it just works so well because for the most part, you're able to give that time to your family. They're a day in and day out. You're not missing out on those moments because life is just so fleeting and going by so fast, right? So we decided to say, okay, yes, this will work for our family. And it has worked out really well. And obviously when you're out traveling, it is what it is, right? But mm -hmm. for the most part, you have to look at the big picture. He's home. You know, how did that thought come? It's been what, over six years? I don't know if he had heard from someone or how, but you know, obviously we noticed that and easily a trip hotel. And we weren't so savvy then about like, oh, make sure we use our credit card or make sure we earn the points, right? It was just like, I got to do this for work. It just got to get done. But we noticed these points racking up. And I don't know what, honestly, I can't even truly remember what made me do the research. But I just mm -hmm. knew that if he's able to do this for work, we'll just switch the scenario. What if you're traveling for personal reasons, right? What if you just want to be able to take your family of four and go visit family? Well, it's the same thing. It's just a different reason. I that's what hit me because I'm like, if he's doing this for work, yeah, it's the company's dime, right? It's not his mm -hmm. money. But if we're spending our money, how can we earn mm. points from money that we have to spend? He has yes. to travel for work, right? He yeah. has to spend. Obviously, he's looking for the most cost efficient hotel that's going to work in the company's budget. He's not trying to like book the most expensive one or anything crazy like that mentality. I was like, okay, well, we have to spend on groceries and dining and like, how can we earn points, right? And then that's where I kind of just all the time Google researching, just trying to figure out hey, it looks like you sign up for some rewards programs and, you know, maybe just stay loyal to a brand or two and kind of figure it out. And that's how we started. We were very loyal. We're in Dallas. So it's a Southwest hub. Companion passed. Now we're five. So one free ticket. Hey, we'll take it. So I think that's kind of, if I remember correctly, that's kind of like how that mentality kind of got in my head. Ah, so that is very interesting that you are loyal to a brand. And so you were flying on Southwest a lot. And so you're like, well, we should be getting some Southwest points. And so you joined the loyalty program. Do you remember what, what resources you were using at the time? Was it like the You know, I honestly or... don't. But at that time, I left all the travel bookings to him. Now the tables have turned and I literally do the flights and the points and the miles. And so we kind of divide and conquer in the sense where I'll do all that heavy lifting. And then he'll do the heavy lifting when it comes to booked the flight in the hotel. It's his job now to figure out the day-to-day -day activities but six years prior even before then it was just kind of like hey you know we want to go to california we want to go to florida we were like we want to go somewhere okay maybe it was expedia or i honestly don't remember because it's been so long but i had left that all to him and he's like hey i looked and i googled and i found these cheap flights to cali or florida or wherever we might have gone at that time right it wasn't too much international travel it was a few domestic travels here and there once or twice a year. Like I said, we were a family of four, right? So we had to just kind of save for it. And that's how we would get out once or twice. But I knew as the kids started getting older, I knew that feeling of that wanderlust, you know, wanting to just do more. I was like, I want to be able to do this more, but just relying on a travel savings fund is just not going to cut it. So there's, there's, there's probably there's a, lot be of a better, more efficient way, unless we just become rich over, you know, overnight or yep. something. Funny side note, I had that realization right out of college. I met all these great people in college and I was like, oh, I know I want to travel and I want to travel like all over the place. Also know that I don't want to work in a corporate job. So what am I going to do? Because this was before I understood anything about credit cards. And I think it was actually before credit card travel hacking really even became a thing. My hack, I went to work for an airline. So I worked for Southwest <laughs> as a flight attendant for seven years. So nice. Could, but it was the same mentality. It was like, unless I get rich overnight, I'm not going to be able to do the traveling I want. So how do we pull this off? Now, shout out to Southwest because you mentioned the companion pass. Can you please tell people 
How would you describe what the companion pass is for those who have never heard of it? Simply put, it's where you have to earn a respective amount of points. And then by, let's say, a certain time, you can work to earn this through signing up for credit card bonuses, through just spending on the card, personal spend, business spend, whatever. You meet this threshold. And then let's say I meet this threshold this year. So for the remaining of this year and then next year, I can take a person with me for free, whether it's a cash flight or whether it's booked on points and miles. This person flies free with me, not just for one flight, but for the remaining time. Again, I've met this threshold of 135,000 points. I've signed up for a card or it's just daily spend or I've put some business expense. However, you meet that points threshold, you meet it. And then the rest of this year and next year, someone will be flying free with me, which for families, this is a great deal. I know some families who work and they have two companion passes because they're just so awesome like that, right? And that takes a lot more strategy as well. That's just not something that's part of my strategy, but my husband has a companion, but he had the Southwest account because he was the avid traveler for business travel, right? He has A-list or he did at one point. And so every time he flies, I fly free as a companion. But I should say that wherever you may go, there are still taxes on that free companion's flight. Now, this is going to be a tough question and you could just give me a ballpark figure. How much money do you reckon the companion pass has saved you over the years? Gosh, thousands in just a year, thousands, because I'm thinking how many flights have I taken on Southwest or like just recently we flew Southwest to New York, even though I'm free, there's still five of us. So take $5 and 60 cents. That was one way flight. We took two one way flights. So that, and then we have more domestic travel coming up in July. So easily in a year, I want to say like a few grand easily just in a year because now we're traveling more. So for anybody out there listening, I tell people the Southwest Companion Pass is probably one of the best deals in all of travel hacking. If you know a better deal, like we should definitely talk about. Do you agree that Companion Pass is one of the best deals in travel? Hacking, I would say it's one the of the best. best deals, but I will say, and I tell clients that I work with in strategy consultations, if you're not living in a Southwest hub, a lot of times what happens is that they're not always direct flights. Now, I always aim to book nonstop flights, but it's a catch-22. I'm five people. So if I do have to take a stopover, a lot of times I do take it. It's not ideal, but because I'm getting one person free, I have to weigh it out. Do I want to take that stopover? I can easily get Southwest points because... I have chase cards and I can transfer chase points to Southwest. So you have to just look at your overall, how do you spend, what points you're earning, and then do you live in a hub where you have a lot of options for Southwest flights? I always tell people, look at where Southwest goes. And they are limited. I will be frank about that. There are limitations. But again, I live in Dallas, so it's always worked for me. For those who don't know, Southwest's headquarters is in Dallas. And I have been there many times, actually, because back oh, in the day. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I was there when Herb Kelleher was still alive, and he was the CEO of Southwest. And he was a great, boisterous, awesome guy. You would see him walking down the halls of the, uh, <laughs> I guess this is probably a bit controversial, but you have to understand, I guess he's from a different era. Herb would like give everybody a kiss on the cheek. Men, women, everybody. <laughs> when he, nice, he was just nice. that kind of guy. <laughs> he was such a character, but it was all love. And they actually had a wall. They still do, I bet. There was a wall of the headquarters dedicated to couples who had met while they were at the company. So there was a lot of people who got married were there. So and interesting how fun. That'd be fun to see, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And that's why the ticker symbol for Southwest Airlines is LUV love. They're all about love over there. So well, hey, I learned oh. something new today. Thanks to you about my favorite domestic airline. So. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The one thing I can't do anymore, I used to for many years after I was a flight attendant, I could still do the emergency exit briefing, you know, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You can probably do it in your sleep. For a while there, I could do it. I got so good at it. And this is not just me. I think this is everybody. I could read the newspaper and do the emergency briefing (laughs) at the same time. Like I'd have a magazine or something. I'd be doing the briefing. You're not really supposed to do that. But hey, let's go back a little bit. I heard you say you help your, you said with clients. Can we talk about what you you mean by strategizing? Right, right, right. So like, you know, obviously there is 
a lot of free content in reels and stories and I have a weekly newsletter as well but sometimes individuals you do everyone it's personalized right so you may need a little bit more help figuring out your award travel strategy right so I don't do bookings per se but I will help you understand your points and miles stash I'll kind of help you understand transfer partners or if you just want a little bit more insight into I'm earning these points but I have no idea how to use them or what this means or you know just kind of like that. Generally speaking, it's a lot of times you can probably get the questions answered, whether it's in my newsletter or whether it's like in a reel, or I try to really show examples through trips that I've taken, really breaking it down, how I earned the points, how far back in advance I planned, how did I transfer them? How did I look for the availability? There's like a lot of kind of stars that have to line up, right? And if you're new, or if you're a beginner, if you're intermediate, you might not always realize what you're sitting on, right? If you're a live, you're spending money, whether you're one person or two people or three. So I work with individuals on that kind of level where it's just kind of depending upon what your respective needs are, right? Like I said, I don't actually help them book the flight, but I'll do everything up to them, you know, respective to whatever questions you may have or where you may be. A lot of people understand points and miles, but they feel like, oh, it's too complicated. And I think sometimes there are just so many creators on so many different levels, which is good. But if you're new, it can get overwhelming really quickly. And so just kind of understanding how this works, right? Who is the person who is like, yes, you should come talk to me if this is your situation? families, just the average family, you know, we are not full time travelers, we are avid travelers, but we're not full time travelers, right? We have a mortgage and we have kids and we have those expenses and we have sports activities. And now we have a toddler in preschool. And I'm sure there's so many families who can relate to that. I'm sure there's so many families who want to get out there and they want to explore or maybe you just want to be able to take your kid to that sports camp, but you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars for a weekend stay. Or maybe you just want to go spend some time on the beach. You know, it doesn't have to be like some exotic vacation that we always comes to mind maybe when you think about points and miles, right? So if you're out there and you're just that family or even like a couple or individual, right? I have some individuals that kind of reach out to me just like kind of like students as well, right? And that's exciting because I know that as our kids get older too, I definitely want them to be smarter about this than we were because our parents, they did the best they could, right? But they didn't understand all this. So if you're a family out there, I'd be happy to work with you, whether you're an individual or a couple, whatever, just helping you just leverage your everyday spend, right? And it just goes back to knowing where am I spending my money, right? Everyone has everything. Like for us, it's obviously groceries and food and dining, right? Yes. And when people come to you, what are some of the misconceptions you typically hear from people kind of over and over again and the things maybe that they're worried about, like, is this going to hurt me in this way or that? What are some of the misconceptions you have to dispel? There's a couple, but ones that I hear often are, is this the best way to use my points? Now, mm. I will say, frankly, put the best way to use your points it's what works for you. So for example, we are five. I don't focus so much on maximizing every single point and mile. But what I do is that we're also tied to work and school schedules. The so school schedules can be very limiting because those are the most expensive times to travel. So if I were trying to maximize my points and miles, I would be traveling in shoulder season. I would be traveling off peak, but that's not going to work with my daily reality. Now, if you're single, if you're a couple, and if you have that flexibility in your life, great, maximize every point in mile. So I think people get too caught up in like, I have X amount of points, I have X amount of miles, but is this the best way? And then you get analysis paralysis. And then you're just kind of like sitting on those points. And I try to be very transparent about that on my social media as well is that that is not my top focus, maybe that's second or third priority to me. But honestly, my priority is just like, how can I just get five of us to a respective place in this specific break time, because I'm tied to that. You miss a day or two or three here, we're okay with that. But generally speaking, we are tied to those, the spring break, the Thanksgiving break, the summer break, the fall break. We are not able to just pick up and travel during off-peak times, right? So I think that is one thing I see, and I try to tell people about that. And the second biggest thing is that, how is this going to impact my credit? But I find that kind of interesting because, take it this with a grain of salt, People may not hesitate to drop a couple grand on a vacation, but if you flip the script and you plan six to nine months out, you won't have to drop a couple grand on a vacation that you know you're going to take come Thanksgiving break. 
So it kind of doesn't sit with me, but also when you're in this space, a lot of things just make sense to you. And for obviously for beginners or people, you know, I get it rightfully. So we all had those questions, but the same people who might be worried about how it impacts their credit are also individuals or families where I see dropping, let's say five, six grand on one vacation. So I'm kind of like, well, (laughs) you could have done this better. In the short term, yes, it affects your credit, but long term, our credit score has increased, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. So that brings up a good point. When should someone come to see you? Obviously, if it's the trips a week away, that's probably not a great time to come strategize with you. If let's say they have no points whatsoever. There's no perfect time. If you're looking at, hey, I keep seeing all these great cards out there, right? And I also tell people, not every card is going to be for you. I have an understanding of different banks and different cards, but that doesn't mean I go for every card. Yes, as a family of five, I definitely rely a lot on those sign-up offers, maybe more so than like an individual or a couple, but that is not the only way to earn a lot of points and miles. There's like stacking and there's just your everyday spend and there's retention. I mean, there's so many different ways. I want to say there's no perfect time to come, whether you're getting started and you're like, hey, what? card should I get? Or whether you're like, oh my God, I think I signed up for these three cards like years ago. I don't know how to make use of them. I don't know how to maximize them. Or I have 200,000 Amex points. I don't know how to use them. Wherever you are, I can work with you respectively. And obviously, if I feel like I don't have the answer, if there's someone who knows the answer better than me, then obviously I will guide you there as well. Because I obviously do not know everything. I'm still learning too. <laughs> oh, we all are. That's the fun thing about travel hacking. And that's one thing that I'm super excited about with doing the show is we all have our kind of area of expertise that we've tried and true. You know, we've done it a few times before, we really got it worked out, but there's always something new to learn. I mean, right, right. oh my gosh. So you agree with that? Yeah. And the space is changing in the sense that just when you think you're close to making a redemption, something devalues or it costs more mm-hmm. points. And so that's where just planning ahead and then flexibility as much as your lifestyle will allow come into play so much, yes. you know, because yeah. if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get a card today and then in three months, I'm going to earn the bonus and then I'm going to book a vacation. Ugh. You could do that, but it's also a very tight squeeze. So depending upon how many people are traveling with you, you need to be thinking, I would say maybe a trip or two ahead. Yes, yes. And you're going to take that trip eventually anyway. It's not like you're going to- That's the thing. You know Thanksgiving's coming quickly and very fast. Mm -hmm. You know Christmas is coming. You know those are the most expensive times to travel, which a lot of times, even with points and miles, we don't go because it is just too much. Maybe we'll go in January. You know, Maybe we'll wait till March. I'm saying you have to make those decisions, but I just find it very interesting because there is a way to not have to drop so much on just one trip, right? take maybe three trips or four trips and by not having to drop four or five grand on one trip right come on let's face it travel is only getting more expensive it's not getting any cheaper i think the days like oh my god i just found this really cheap last minute flight to this amazing place i feel like those days are gone unless of course it depends on what your budget is it depends on what you define as feasible and cheap if it was just me or even just me and my husband would we be jumping on maybe some cash deals Maybe times that cheap cash deal by five, it adds up. Right. It's a very different scenario when you're traveling with a family and it gets really complex very quickly. Very quickly. Yes. And then you have different priorities. Like you said, for example, you don't want to change planes two times when you have a family of five. Forget no, about I it. I don't. Right? I've had to do that. And, you know, sometimes it's out of my control. Sometimes it's kind of like, hey, I found this amazing deal. For example, we just came back from Lisbon last week. We're in Dallas, but our flight was from New York to Lisbon. Even then, so we're flying from Dallas to New York, spending the night before in New York, and then from New York, it went from New York, Paris to Lisbon. So you can imagine the stops, but at the same time, it's such a catch-22. I had the points for five of us to go from New York to Lisbon. So you really have to weigh it out. Like I'm spending a little bit more time. That means I have to take off two additional days from work or I have to fly the night before. It's just a lot more dynamics. I can't just pick up and say, hey, I found this great deal to Europe or three weeks. Right. I personally think it's really important to talk it out with somebody else because I think trying to run all these scenarios in your head can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. So that's why I'm like, don't try to figure this stuff out on your own. For sure. 
Sure. And then it ends up right? coming to the point where they're just like, forget it. I'll just drop yeah. the cash and book the flight because right. that's just so much easier than trying to figure out which points transfer where, how do I do this? How do I look for award availability? There's a fun statistic. I You'll probably hear me quote many times on this podcast, which is like 60% of Americans don't have travel rewards cards. Yet I would venture to guess something like 90% of Americans travel. So people are traveling, but they're not reaping the benefits. So the question, or they're not taking advantage of the system that exists to help them travel for less. And then the question becomes, well, why? Why aren't people doing it? And it's exactly what you said. They did a survey on like why people have certain cards and why they don't. People find points and miles very confusing. And they're like, you know what? I'd rather just get cash back. I know what to do with the cash. Is there something you'd like to tell the cash back crowd out there who's like, you know what, just give me the cash. I know what to do. Are, is there anything they're missing out on? Obviously, I'm sure it goes without saying cash back is not my thing. Did we all start <laughs> there at one point? Yes. But I will also say if that's what works for you, great, do it. But if you are looking to up your game a bit, if you're looking to really earn more rewards, maximize the rewards, you will have to step it up from cash back, frankly put. But I'm saying don't let that stop you from growing if that's where you are right now and that's what's working and that's how you're saving on travel great but if you'd like to obviously grow in that capacity then yes and i think the annual fees i was gonna add that is oh yes scary for people too so just think of it this way where you know you're gonna spend the money and this one annual fee is gonna give you at least thousands of dollars in travel, depending upon how many people, like I said, are traveling with you or the cost of the respective flight, right? Yep. Let's actually run a scenario for people who are wondering, like, what does she mean by annual fee? And how am I going to make more than the annual fee from this card? Okay, here's a perfect scenario that I've seen over and over again. Let's say you get an offer in the mail for an Amex card. And a lot of these offers are somewhere around 100 to 150,000 points. I typically see the annual fee on an Amex card Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it something like $700 now? It is. I will also say that is not a card I have right now. We are a Chase family as opposed yeah, to Chase I'm a Chase. I have friends in the space who love it. And if you are able to really look at the benefits, whether it's $700 on Amex or whether it's like $395 on Chase, you don't have to have a complete understanding, but you have to have somewhat of a general understanding like, okay, I'm going to make use of the global entry credits, or I'm going to make use of the lounges, or I know I have international trips coming up where I'm probably going to want to stop by the lounge. So it's just like a general idea, or even, mm -hmm. even if you don't have an idea, maybe take out the time and initiative to like learn how to make use of the benefits. And I say that yes. coming from a space yeah. where we signed up for the Chase Sapphire Reserve, $500 $150 or whatnot did not yes. make use of the benefits. So we went all premium because we read some article on some blog somewhere saying that this card has an amazing offer on it, but we didn't make use of the points. Really? This is back in the day? This was back in the day, right? We were like, oh, we're going to branch out where, you know, we are going on Southwest, but, you know, obviously we knew we wanted to do more international travel, right? Yes. But yes. We like, oh, you know, we read this Chase card and it has this amazing, but we didn't know how to make use of the benefits. We didn't look into it. We didn't know how. We just had all these points, but it's more than just the points, right? It's right. also helping us save money, food at the airport. Not every lounge is equal. I'm not going to say, you know, you're going to have this <laughs> card and you're going to have access to all these amazing lounges. No, but for the most part, you'll have access to respective lounges wherever you go. And that's always a good place to start before you spend money at the airport. Right. I hate spending money at the airport. Anytime Thank I you. can be in a place where there's a lounge, I don't care if the lounge only serves these little cocktail sandwiches. I'm going. I'm going to get some free food. Or even um, a place to just decompress like away from the crowd. Yes. Even. So that's what I like, especially with yes. kids. That's what I like. You know, we've been in some really nice lounges and then we've been in some lounges that were just like, okay, this is questionable. But if we're able to just kind of step away from the crowd, maybe work a little bit more privately, more quietly, yes. we always appreciate that. Oh, you know what? Okay. I just learned this from someone who was recently on the show. Did you know Capital One has built a lounge in Dallas? Do you know about this lounge? Yes, I do know about this lounge. It is my favorite lounge. I have been there a couple of times. I have some content on it as well. It's in my hometown. So right. how can I not? And my older two kids love it too. Like I was traveling for a conference recently and they were like, oh, you got to go to the Capital One Lounge. I'm like, yes, I did. I had lunch there and I even grabbed a dinner to go because my flight was landing late and I just did not feel like going out on the town and figuring out what I'm going to eat for dinner. So legit went there early and had brunch or breakfast there and then grab dinner <laughs> to go. So, yep. Oh, 
we get so spoiled. I tell you, like, it's hard to go to the airport and just be normal. You know what I mean? Like, uh. and that's the thing. And I say that and I feel like my kids like, I don't even think it phases them anymore. When I say, hey, mom has booked a trip to this place. Like, okay. Cool. You know, you're expecting like all this applause and all that. Yeah, good job. Does it not like phase you guys anymore? Like, I know they don't quite understand everything about points and miles. They understand a little bit. They hear different cards because I'm telling him, make sure you use this card. And, you know, when you're going out, hey, hey, take my card. So they understand a little bit, but they're just like, pre food, lounge, great. They're going to be travel hacking savants, you know, when, <laughs> when they're Hopefully, older. that is the plan that they're more financially savvy than we were at 18, 20, 25. Of course. I have this theory that once you take a free trip on points, it's really hard to go back to the old way of thinking. Once you know this exists, you have that question in your mind every time you book a trip, like, is there a way I could get this for cheaper, for free? Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Because I'm just like everything, the cost of just basic things, grocery, everything has gone up. So I'm just like, okay, well, this is the flight. I maybe want to go here next spring. How can I get this on points? Even mm -hmm. if it's cash rate, I'm like, how can I do that? You know, sometimes, yes, it is worth it. If you want to maximize, it might be a better value to use cash. But I'm always thinking like that. I'm like, okay, how can I find this in points? How can yeah. I find this in miles? <laughs> so be careful out there because once you try this, I'm telling you, it becomes a very fun sport. And if you're someone who likes to save money, you might find yourself on the blogs and running scenarios and having a spreadsheet. Right. So just be careful. But if you're getting started, I cannot emphasize this enough. Do not try to do this completely on your own. I think all of us who have done that, we all have like at least one or two mistakes that we made where we we're like, ah, oh, my big mistake. I don't know if you'll remember any of yours, but mine, I remember very vividly. It was getting a Marriott rewards card thinking that the Marriott points were the same as the Chase Ultimate Reward points. So I got this Marriott card with 100,000 points and I was like, oh, sweet, now I can go use this for anything. When I looked at the redemption value of Marriott points, I was like, this is only worth two hotels, two nights. Whereas if they were Chase Ultimate Reward points, they would have been worth so much more. Yeah. I didn't understand you couldn't transfer them around, so I wasted one of my cards. Do you remember any like mistakes you made early on? You know, I think I mentioned it earlier was just starting to Ultra Premium not really realizing that I was just going all in. I think we all kind of know that if you're looking kind of where to get started, Chase Sapphire Preferred. And I say this because it's just, it's easy for beginners. It's easy points, redemptions. And it's not just about getting it. It's also a card that we hold long-term in our wallet as well. It's great. It's easy to understand. It's basic. And you want to look past that. Okay, I'm going to get this initial set of points. Not all cards will offer this, but I always try to think if I have a card in my wallet, will it help me long term as well? How can I continue to maximize? So this is one of those where it's great for all levels, especially for beginners, though. So yes. I think the mistake I made was going for its big brother, which was the Sapphire Reserve and not really making use of the benefits. And then you start to realize that these banks have rules and you can only get their bonuses after X number of years. And then it's like, oh, no, now I have to wait to get this bonus again. I didn't make use. Of it. So I think that was just a big mistake is obviously there's a lot more resources out now, right? There's a lot more content and creators and just resources and information, right? Of how to really maximize how to make yeah. the most of this hobby or sport, like you said, right? Yes. But because there's so much information, it becomes overwhelming for a lot of yes, people. It does. And I can't tell you the difference it makes to sit down with someone, explain to them your situation and have them give you tailored advice versus looking on like 15 right. different right. blogs. Exactly. And I will say that there are many creators and many individuals who also offer similar services. The biggest thing I would advise is try to maybe find someone that also aligns with your reality. And what I mean by that is that there are many solo travelers, there's many luxury travelers, there's many couple travelers. It doesn't have to be someone who has the same reality or background, but they will most understand your situation because they're maybe kind of going through that too, or they are going through that too. So I think that's something to definitely look out for if you're looking for someone to reach out to or just to kind of get some advice from. Now, a lot of people also offer much of the same general advice, but if you're looking for just personalized consultations, that's definitely something to keep in mind is that do I have anything in similar maybe with this person's reality or the struggles that they go through on a daily basis of saving for family travel or just saving for travel or maximizing my points or whatever it may be, if that makes sense.
Definitely, because it's a huge amount of information out there. And it's very unlikely that somebody knows everything about everything. Right. But if you've been through it, you're going to have uh, certain experiences that shape your understanding of how these programs right. work. So like you're saying, it is a great idea to find someone who's gone through it before. It's right. who matches your reality. I like how you put that. You know, if you come to me and say, hey, can you help me or tell me about business class luxury flights? I'm going to say, hey, that's great, but that's just not my expertise. Do I want to do a luxury business class flight? I do, but you better believe I don't want three munchkins in tow. So <laughs> my reality is getting that nonstop direct economy flight. That is my reality. No shade or no shame on anyone for this because everyone has a different reality, a different budget, a different lifestyle that they're working with. And we're all just trying to make the most of that and work with that. Yes. And we all have aspirational goals where, yes, I do want to do Q suites one day and I do want to do a business class flight, but it's just not my reality right now with the family. Right. It's better to just have these experiences than to wait for the perfect situation to come That's along. You know thing, what I mean? Because I feel like life is never going to be perfect, nope. right? You know, and then sometimes when the stars do line up, you be grateful and you just jump on it when you can, right? Definitely. Okay, so there's two questions I wanted to talk about just so the listeners know. What credit card did you need to get in order to get into the Capital One Lounge? So Capital One Lounge, you do need the Capital One Venture X. I had my husband get that back when it came out. I want to say it's been like a year and a half when it first came out with a bang at like at 100,000 points or whatever. Now it's like at 75,000 points. It's been that way for some time. But regardless, it is a great card that it serves like as our family's premium travel card gives us that lounge access. I was able to cover my husband's global entry fee that way it comes with TSA pre-check. For the rest of us, I did pay out of pocket just because I wanted all of us kind of like on the same page, but it does help to get a person or two covered, right? And they have two more lounges coming up. I believe it's like DC and Denver. I don't have the dates, but just from what I've seen, I think they're opening later this year. I think it said opening 2023 or fall 2023. I'm not sure on that. I don't, I don't have any insight on the exact dates, but the Dallas one is open. So if you find yourself or if you want to just even purposely make a stop through Dallas just to experience that lounge, I would totally do something crazy like that if I didn't live here, but totally worth it. That actually kind of touched on my second question, which was you mentioned that the sign-up bonus was about 75000 right now. Right now it's 75000 yes. 75000 What is the annual fee on that card? It's $395, but keep in mind, it does come with $300 annual travel credit. So let's break this down for the people out there who are like, oh, $395 annual fee, no way. There's some very, very simple math you can do with this card. When you're talking about Amex, it gets a little more complicated and asks Sebi uh, and maybe a few other people have a really good calculator to decide sure, like if that sure. card's right for you. But let's show the audience how this $395 card is actually paying you money if you travel. So 75,000 points. How much do you think that is worth in dollars? I can tell you just like our last couple of trips, we literally had breakfast at the lounges. Now, how much would that have cost me with a family of five at the airport? I would have easily spent $100 maybe, yep. Easily, yep. if not more. I mean, just a bottle of water is like five, six bucks. Yep. Right. And then, like I said, there's five of us. So eating a meal there, right? And I've taken a couple trips just in the past year where I've stopped at the lounge. And then even for some personal or just work travel where we're by ourselves, again, I'm at the lounge. I had lunch there. I had dinner there. If you add up the cost of those meals, if you add up the cost of Ubering to get those meals or driving to the restaurant. So you have to think about that too, right? Right. Because it's not just the cost of that meal. It's the cost of getting there, getting the meal. Then it's the time factor as well, right? Because time is money. Put my finger on exact number per se. But I will say, for example, let's say if you're only traveling once a year, should you reconsider? Yeah, sure. Of course. But right. if you're traveling once, twice, even a few times where enough, it'll easily make up for itself. You mentioned that $300 travel credit? Yeah. There you go. So $395 minus $300, we're already in the $95 range. $95. And then, you know, if you just simply take the sign-up bonus of 75,000 yes. points, right? So when my husband got it, it was at 100,000 points. Mind you, this was a year and a half. This was like in December 2021. Because a lot of people are like, oh, when will it go back there? I'm like, man, I wish I had a crystal ball because I don't. Because I'm over yeah. here wanting to get it for myself and I'm kind of waiting. <laughs> 
and hoping to, but who knows? I don't think so. Right. Mm -hmm. If you just look at the value that you get from transferring those points out to a transfer partner and how did I do it specifically with my husband's sign up bonus of a hundred thousand. Plus you also have the value that you're from the points that you're earning. Right. So you get the initial sign up bonus plus anything additional you may have earned just through spend. Right. Mm -hmm. We were also able to max out our referrals. So we had a total of, let's say 225,000 points. Those 225,000 points booked us round trip tickets from Houston to Manchester. Think about that. That $395 fee on this one card got me. This flight would have easily cost us a few grand for our family. This is just one flight. So we're in Dallas, but the deal, I found it on Singapore Airlines. So the deal was from Houston to Manchester, UK. And you flew on Singapore Airlines? This was on Singapore Airlines, a freedom flight. So I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, I don't want to pay $300 fee or $95 fee. But this one card, $395 got me thousands of dollars in just flights which I could never afford with a family. So think about it that way. Yes. You were saying if you're not planning to travel that year, maybe this is not the year to get. Exactly. Or maybe Mm -hmm. this is not the card for you. Maybe I would start with the preferred and just focus on everyday spending. Just focus on earning points. And I promise you, you will change your mind yourself when you see how much you're spending every month on just food and dining and gas, streaming services, right? Forget travels. Then when you see those points racking up, you'll be like, "Hmm, maybe there's something to it. But I would not start ultra premium and then be like, see, I didn't even make use of it. See, it's a waste. If you already know that you're not traveling right now, or you can't, or maybe you don't have as much travel plan as you'd like, different scenarios, right? For everyone. Definitely wouldn't start there. But if you're like, yeah, I'm looking to up my game. I'm looking for a premium card. I would personally say this is the one to go because I feel like the fee is reasonable enough where it makes up for itself. It's not ridiculous. It's not like six, $700. I mean, if that works for you, great. I always say that out there as a disclaimer. That's not one I can justify right now for my family just because I feel like we already have one and you don't need to hold multiple of the same type of card. Honestly, I feel like people get too lost and caught up in that, (laughs) right? Just learn to work with what you have. And then as you kind of get better in this skill, then branch out. Yes. And to that point, if you are learning this skill, please don't try to do it on your own. If people want to reach out to you, how they can get in touch, if they want just a little help, even finding the right yeah. card for them. Just reach out to me. I am at Hassan's. That's two S's, Hassan's on holiday on Instagram. You can DM me. You can email me. All my information is in my link tree. If you just reach out on social, you'll see it and just reach out and we'll go from there. Yes. And remember, she does strategy sessions and these strategy sessions, I can tell you because I've personally have just seen how well this works. Yes, it's going to cost money for a strategy session, but the amount of money it will pay for itself. So don't be research that I know I've personally done. And I wish there was these resources six, seven years ago, right? Where I don't have to go down that rabbit hole of YouTubing and Googling, just being able to have some personalized guidance. Time is money and you're saving your time. (laughs) Yeah. And especially if a family, right? Leave some of this to the experts, right? Until you become an expert yourself. And I always like to ask this question. There's somebody out there listening who has a kind of a giver's heart. Hopefully a lot of the listeners out there love to give. Is there anything out there that you are trying to figure out for yourself that if there's a listener listening, they should reach out to you? I always say I just appreciate the feedback because my content is obviously based upon my respective expertise and the trips that I've taken and my personal trial and error. But I like to hear from my audience, what am I missing? What questions am I not answering? What kind of challenges are you facing that maybe I haven't covered? Like I said, mine is based upon my respective experience experience and my expertise, right? I mean, whatever challenges I may have. So I'm always open to feedback and just kind of developing and forming my content that way. So it just helps serve a broader audience. So if you have some interesting tips or tricks or things that you've learned along the way, if you're listening, please reach out and share with the group. That's how we all get smarter, you know? And I think as travel hacking, I don't know if it will ever become mainstream. I always feel like it's a very special club of people who kind of get it. And if you're in that club and you know something, I think it seems like everybody I meet in this space really loves to share. Like, did you know about this? Did you know about that? So don't be a stranger. Don't be shy with your tips. That goes for me too. If you have something you want to share, please reach out. 
So since this podcast is called Traveling on Purpose, what do you feel like your purpose is? Are there any gifts that you feel like you have that you really fulfilled when you share this gift with the world? How do you think about purpose? Is that something that even crosses your mind? It does. I think especially coming from that nonprofit or social impact background, that definitely crosses my mind all the time. Because here you are on social media, you're sharing these amazing trips and these amazing redemptions. And then sometimes I think we also forget that this is a privilege. Being able to understand the world of finance, that is a privilege that many people still don't have. So for me, it's become beyond just being able to earn some points and book a trip. It's also financial literacy. It's also breaking those barriers and stay stereotypes. I feel like there are a lot of women maybe who don't take ownership of this kind of stuff. So I think I was not always taking initiative for this, but I have to say for no fault of my spouses, I just wasn't doing it. And now that I do, I feel like it's more than just points and miles. It's really understanding what is finance or how does credit work or what impacts my credit or how can I leverage my finances for maybe other things? Maybe travel is not your passion, right? Maybe you have other passions. So it's really digging deep into finances and money and savings and wealth. And now travel hacking is becoming a part of our wealth building strategy. And so that's how my mindset has shifted over the last few years. And especially now we have a teenager and teaching her these values to, yes, I want you to save. I want you to travel when you're 18, 20, 25. And I want you to explore and see cultures that are outside of your comfort zone. But it's not just about that. It's also about being financially independent and financially savvy and saving and not just relying only on one or two balls in the air, so to speak. It's become more than just that for us. I mean, yes, yeah. it started one way, but it's shifting to becoming more. I want to say you are truly an inspiration. Going back to the start of our conversation, I'll never understand how you do it all. There's a lot to handle. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing what you've learned with others. And one last time, if people want to hear from you, learn more about what you do, where can they find you? I'm at Hassan's on holiday. That's H-A-S-S-A-N-S on holiday. Hassan's on holiday on social media. You can hit me up, DM me, and we'll go from there. And all my all links, right. like I said, are there in my profile as well. So, and thank you again, DJ, for this opportunity. I truly appreciate it. This was such a great and such a fun conversation. It's always nice to kind of talk with other people in this space. We're all behind a computer or a screen or a phone all day, right? And, you yep. know, I have <laughs> friends in this space and I say friends and it's so funny that I'm talking to all the time. And then when you are able to just put a name and a face together or even meet them in real life at like at a travel conference, you're just like, oh my God, yes. you know, I can geek out over this with someone else who actually understands because my spouse may be very supportive <laughs> of this or my friends may be like, oh, you're traveling all the time. That's great. But like, you know, being able to truly geek out with other people yes. who really understand the space, it's just another level. Oh, could not agree more. Oh, that means the world. Thank you. I'm so glad you had a good time. We should do it again sometime because I know that the learning never stops. So next time you come back, you'll have even more tips and tricks to share. Yeah. And stay um, connected. I'm in Dallas. If you find yourself trying to wanting to try out that Capital One Lounge or Southwest. Oh, I've heard so many good things about that lounge. So I'm coming yeah, to Dallas. Check out my page. I have a content just on that lounge because it's so worth it. Well, thank you again for your time. And thank you for everyone listening. I hope you learned something fun and we will catch up with you soon. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Traveling on Purpose podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a few new things about travel hacking and personal finance. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will really help us out. To learn more about travel hacking, be sure to check out our website at vacayhq.com. You can also follow us on social media for the latest tips and tricks. Until next time, happy travels. <laughs>